Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So yeah, week four of our series in Habitudes is all about this, um, this wonderful word diet. And I don't know about how you feel when I say the word diet. Diet never fills me with great um, excitement and anticipation. Um, it's not something I can't wait to talk about. Um, and it can feel a bit like a discipline. It can feel a bit like an intentional thing that something I have to put a lot of effort into and a lot of planning into. And I don't like the word discipline either. Um, it always makes me think about my parents and how many times you know, I got grounded and spent a lot of time on my own in my room. Um, and those lines that parents say, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Like, really? I can't quite see how that one works out, Mum, but, um, but we'll have to go with it. But it is this whole thing about this whole nature of being restrictive and about giving something us up. But um, I've had a change of thinking, a change of habit, if you like, and, and I hope that when we leave this morning, we'll have developed some of that too. So about um, 18 months ago, I had one of these reflective points in your life. I've realised that the older you get, you have more of them. Uh, and um, maybe it's because you, you feel that that you maybe you've got less time to make a change. I don't know, but it's... But I had one of those moments 18 months ago where I really felt um, quite challenged about looking at my whole health and about my eating and all that kind of stuff. And I've done this stuff before and you go like this, don't you? And, um, but I really thought I'd better give this um, a bit of thinking and a bit of investment, really. So 18 months ago, I decided to join and discover this whole global phenomenon called Slimming World. Has anybody heard of Slimming World? Yeah? Now, I'm not endorsing this as a product or as a brand. There are other great eating programs out there that you may engage that may work for you. But I decided to give this Slimming World thing a go. And if you've never been, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So you go in and you go in to join a group with loads of people that you never see again, apart from that hour on a Monday night or whenever you choose to go. And you hear some things that are repeated week in and week out. And the first thing that you hear is this. It's about food optimizing. Food optimizing. So what's optimizing? Um, optimizing just means to get the best use out of or the most effective use out of. So basically, they're trying to teach you about how you get the best use out of the food that you intake. And, um, and but, but however long I was going, I couldn't get this word diet out of my head. So, so I'd, I'd, I'd be st not starving myself, but sort of not having stuff regularly or not doing some of the things that they said to do, thinking that you know better, obviously, and you don't. And, and so she told me, obviously, Jay, you're not eating enough. You're not eating enough. I mean, when everybody been on eat and diet when they're telling you're not eating enough, I thought there must be something in this, you know. So then, but I had to link that with the second thing, which is this. And this is the mantra that you get. This is not a diet, it's an eating plan. This is not a diet, it's an eating plan. And an eating plan that leads to a lifestyle change, okay? To a lifestyle change. So it's not a restriction of things that I can't have. It's more about the wealth of things that I can the wealth of things that I can. And these two things together started making me think about my life as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, and the things that I can struggle the most with, if I'm honest with you. And I wonder how many of us have seen our faith this morning, or even if you wouldn't say you were a follower of Jesus yet, you know, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, that you, you would see that any commitment to Jesus as a restrictive diet. So much so that it would totally put you off even wanting to make a decision about following Jesus because you think or we think our life is going to be starved of the things we enjoy or we're permitted from doing. 
Following Jesus is not a diet. It's an eating plan that leads to a lifestyle change. That leads to a lifestyle change. And it's a lifestyle that can start wherever you are in the room this morning. Whether this is your first time with us, um, whether you've been here 30, 40, 50 years, um, this can actually change and continue to impact the change upon your life. Because it's a relationship journey. And if we see any connection with God at all as a restrictive thing, let me tell you what's going to happen. We fail. Why do we fail? Because the likelihood is I'm going to give up, I'm going to give in, and I'm going to keep going back to those habits that aren't healthy. And so the key verse that we're going to base all of this on this morning is really small, but it's the key. And it's this verse that's found in Psalm 34, verse 8. And it says this, Taste and see. See, it's not even about come and have a meal, is it? It's taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And I want to challenge you this morning. Have a taste. It's not going to kill you to have a taste. Because God often uses food terms to um, describe spiritual things. Like um, heaven's often referred to as a banqueting table. Jesus said of himself that I am the bread of life. And the psalmist here says we ought to taste and see that God is good. So what habitudes could I develop? What habitudes could you develop if I saw my spiritual diet as an eating plan that I optimized, that I optimized my faith, remembering that optimizing is all about getting the most effective and best use out of it. If I started to taste and see that God is good. So where do you start? Well, we need some roadmaps, okay? We need some directional things this morning. So when you join this thing called Slimming World, you get this huge introductory pack of stuff in there that's full of things like sample recipes and eating plans and diary logs to make sure I'm eating the right stuff. And then I get connection to this person called a consultant. And this consultant is somebody who knows how the plan works. It's somebody who has more experience of following it than I do. Somebody who's supposed to um, take me on the way, so to speak. And they give you this stuff and they say, this Pat Jane is the most amazing, most generous, most liberating thing you're ever going to have to make a change in your life. Actually, it's an effective way of losing weight. But some of the principles in there are true because it kind of works. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep going, would I? So it kind of has an effect on my life. And it's important that you learn the ropes. And it's the same with our relationship with God. To get the most effective use out of it, we have to use the roadmaps that we've been given. And what are they? Things like reading the Bible, things like praying, things like attending church regularly, things like attending a smaller group where we can actually get some connection and some family. Here we call them connect groups. And it's not about doing these things like a checklist. So don't sit there and tick them off your brain and say, I do that, I do that, I go there, I've joined this. It's letting them shape your life so they become a habit. They become a habit. So now we're on an eating plan, okay? We're not on a diet anymore, guys. We're on an eating plan. And so what is our plan as a Christian? It's basically this. Knowing and becoming more like Jesus. Beginning and end. That's basically all it is. But the same rules apply. You know, I can give you all the options this morning. The invitation. You welcome pack. But I can't force you to eat what is going to be helpful and healthy. The heart is the key. Now, I know if my heart isn't in something, it's not going to last very long. 
people usually do what they want to do, don't they? And don't do what they don't want to do. You have to want it. You've got to want it. And I can drift towards giving up. It's too hard. It takes too much effort. I haven't got time. There's other things I want to be doing. All the way over here to I'm striving and I'm trying harder and I'm trying to do more and do enough and do an extra 10 minutes or an extra hour um, to try and get an authentic relationship with God. I want to tell you the truth. Both of those extremes are toxic to me. Both of them are toxic to me. What I need to do is to get these clues on how to follow God and limit the extremes of those things happening. And we can do it. We can do it. And there's some keys to our spiritual eating plan. And we're going to look at three of them this morning. And the first one is the Bible. Why read the Bible? Why read the Bible? It's where I find everything out that I need to know about God and who I am. Apart from the Bible, I can't really know what God is like. You know, I can wander through um, the world and I can admire the beauty of a butterfly. But do you know what? A butterfly isn't going to show me how just or how faithful or how merciful God is. And if I go to someone like the Grand Canyon and I stand and look at the awesomeness and the vastness and the beauty of it. And I can marvel that God has created that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dumbing that down at all. But the Grand Canyon is not going to explain to me how Jesus gave his life for me and saved me. Slimming world, chunky monkey introductory pack, Christian, meet the Bible. Meet the Bible. Tells me about the devastating effects that I've had in my world and we've had as a human race here, but it tells me about the perfect sacrifice that Jesus has made. And not just about it, but how, how I can apply that and absorb that and live in that freedom. It's the complete book, but I still have to apply what is written. I have all the information I need to start. I need to engage with the program. And the Bible is the best way of doing that. Why then? It's trustworthy. I can rely on it. Everywhere I look in my world at the moment, I get differing opinions. Um, I get conflicting messages. I can get different versions of the truth. that have none of those things in the Bible. It doesn't change. And if I apply it, actually, do you know what? I can get a little wiser every day. It's trustworthy. I get direction from it. The Bible will never mislead me. will never take me down a dead-end road like my reliable sat-nav. Ever had one of those where it tells you that you're here, but you're obviously not? You're telling me I've got here, and I'm just, I'm obviously not. The Bible never does that for me. It'll never be out of date. I'll never have to take it, take a, the memory thing out and put it in my computer and have it update because new roads have been... That never happens with the Bible. It is still relevant today as it was when it was written. So if it's so great then, Jane, why do I struggle with it? Here's some struggles I've had over time with it. Isn't it restrictive? Isn't it telling me all the stuff I can't do? No, the Bible is trying to protect me from harm. Protect me from harm. But doesn't it feel like a real burden to do? It's meant to be a blessing to who I am. Just think what this world would be like if everybody lived by what was found in the directives in this one book alone. No murder, no greed, no violence, no hate, no selfishness. Who wouldn't want to live in a world like that? 
But there are two good reasons why I do read it. Because there are two forces that are trying to shape my thinking, either the world or God. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 2 from the message says this. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. How about Psalm 119? Um, Verse 105, this is the Passion Translation. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. And if I've not convinced you already, here's another one. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. I need that. I need a tool, you know, that's going to tell me the truth about my feelings and my intentions and my thoughts. Because I've said this loads of times and you've heard me say it. It's easy to fool myself. I can lie to myself when I read the Bible. That can't happen because it's something called discerning. Discerning. So here's some helpful tools then. Number one, read it. Hey, there's not, I don't need a brain surgeon to come up with that one, do you? Read it. Read it. Get an eating plan and do it regularly. You know, I'd suggest maybe the first thing that you do in the day if possible. I'm trying to do this before I check my Facebook status. And do you know why? Because I've kind of found that my day seems to have a little bit more invested into it if I start it with God and not my social media. And not legalistically, not because you have to. Do it because you want to. But it's like meeting, you know, eating meals every day, isn't it? You know, I don't eat breakfast because I have to. I eat breakfast because I want to. And it's good for me, obviously. But here's the thing. If I happen to have to miss breakfast one day, I don't go through the rest of the day heaping loads of guilt on myself. Go, oh, I didn't have breakfast. I didn't have breakfast. What's going to happen to me? I didn't have breakfast. God's going to hate me because I didn't have breakfast. No, because I know I'm going to get other chances during the day to eat to eat but you know what a regular breakfast is healthy for me get a version you understand or a translation that's easy for you to read or listen to take it in whatever way works for you don't set yourself impossible goals I'm going to read the Bible in a week Jane by next Sunday I'm going to be be through it I'm going to have done it we'll never do it And then what happens is, we don't go back and do little chunks. We just stop. Because we've missed the goal that we've set ourselves. Better to read it five minutes a day, or several days a week, than once a month for an hour. But, but, nothing replaces consistency. And why do we need consistency? Because consistency breeds a habitude. Consistency breeds a habitude. So don't set yourself impossible goals. But eat it in bite-sized chunks. And then reflect on it. It's not a novel. It works when we apply the information that we've read. But how do we do that? I try and ask myself a question. I don't do this all the time. I I really wish I did. 
but maybe I should, and I should do it more? Here's a question I do ask myself when I'm reading the Bible. What is God telling me about himself? And then what is God asking me to change about myself? So what is God telling me about himself? And what is God asking me to change about myself? And do you know what? I've never not come up with an answer. Never. So respond to it. So when I talk about, we're talking about reading the Bible, here are the three things. Read it, reflect on it, then respond to it. Read it, reflect on it, and then respond to it. So that's the Bible. Number two is prayer. So what's this thing called prayer all about? Um, simply put, it's just talking to God. It's communi- communicating with God. I can talk, you can talk. Job's a good one. It's as it's, it's, it's simple as that, really. It's about talking to God and then learning to listen. But to understand why we pray, it might be interesting to, to understand why we don't. We don't pray like God is a genie in a bottle, you know. We have to rub it the right way and we get our wishes out. It doesn't work like that. God isn't like this supernatural vending machine where if I put the right coins in, I'm going to get the bar of chocolate out of the bottom. It doesn't work like that either. And don't pray that, believe if you say the same thing over and over again, like using a certain formula, because it worked when I said it then, so if I say it like this now, God's going to do something for me. It's not open sesame and heaven's doors swing wide open. It doesn't work like that. Do you know how it works? Just like in any relationship we have with anybody, God responds when I talk to him. And actually, God is more responsive to me than I'm talking. You know, my husband, Russ, can know exactly how I feel when I just make a sound. How do you know that? If you live with people, you know, you have somebody, if you make a sound, people can interpret what that sound means, can't they? And there's a guy called David in the Bible, and he said this in Psalm 5, give ear to my words, and then he said this, consider my sighing, my sighing. His sighing is communicating with God as much as me sighing when I'm frustrated with Russ because he's done something or, or when, when I'm sighing because he's just cooked me a really nice meal, which doesn't happen very often. He's not here this, at this service, so I can say that. But when he does, he normally is a cracker, so, and I sigh out of, out of that kind of emotion. But then I also sigh when I feel safe and secure with somebody. It's just like, oh, I'm just glad to be home. Ever sighed like that? I'm just so glad to be home. It's the same with God. I can sigh towards God and he will know exactly what I'm meaning from that. And he acknowledges what I'm saying. How responsive is that? And some of you may be sitting here and thinking, well, you know what, Jen, I just find this whole prayer thing completely awkward. I just, I just don't get it. I just, it, doesn't, it feels weird. It doesn't feel natural to me. And sometimes prayer can feel like that. And sometimes if somebody asks you to pray out loud... And like any conversation, though, it can feel really awkward um, if you've not spoken to that person for a while. Or, you know, you feel like you've become a bit, bit like strangers, you've not connected. And I overcame this by starting to read the Bible out loud. And I did that um, because I needed to hear what my own voice sounded like. Because one of the struggles I had was I didn't know what I sounded like. I thought I was, maybe I was rambling or I was bumbling or people wouldn't understand what I was saying. So I got used to hearing the sound of my own voice. But also, praying out loud helps you to stay on topic. If I do all the praying in my head, I can guarantee I'm three lines in and then I'm thinking about the washing that's got to go on. Or I need to pick that up on the way home. Oh, I wonder what happened in the line of duty. Or it's just, 
all this stuff. And that's not because I'm, I'm, I'm a really terrible Christian. It's just normal brain behavior. So don't measure yourself again. That's I'm a terrible person because I cannot pray in my head for five minutes. Nobody can. Nobody can and be on topic all the time. So praying out loud really helps us stay on topic. But do you know what? Practice is the key. Anything we practice, we get more comfortable in. And people can often be notorious for avoiding things that make them uncomfortable. Yeah? And we all do that to a degree. I'm going to this this morning. Don't be one of those people. Keep going. Keep practicing. Don't wait until you're in trouble to pray. Pray every day. I often see prayer like, like my bank account. And you make deposits in that all the time. So that when I want to take a huge chunk out, the money's there for me to do that. And I think it's the same sometimes with prayer with God. I put deposits in all the time. And then when I need one of those, God, I need you now. I haven't got time to pray for an hour. I, I just need something now. It's there. But the beautiful thing about God is that there is an overdraft facility. So if you're here this morning, you're thinking, I haven't done that for a while. Do you know what? We do have an overdraft with God. But you do have to start making deposits. Just trying harder doesn't work. I tell you what else doesn't work? Copying somebody else and how they do it. Do you know how I found that out? Because I saw somebody I admired. I admired how their life was. I admired how they lived their Christian experience. And so I asked them, so how what are you doing? I got up at four o'clock every morning and I pray. It was done. I was gone. No way. No way. Do you know what? I tried it. It was a complete failure and I felt terrible because I was holding myself to a pattern that was never meant for me. And I'm not decrying that some people do that and bless you when you do because, you know, I think that's a great thing to be able to do. But I can't do that. I can't do that. My prayer life and your prayer life does not have to look like anybody else's. You just have to have one. And I often don't pray for long periods of time, but I try not to go long periods without praying. So how does that work for me? It works that I try to have an awareness of God through my day. And we'll have a chat. I don't have to put some worship music on. I don't have to drop to my knees. I can be in the car. I can be walking from a meeting. And I just think, oh, I just need to have a chat with you about this, God. And that's what it is. It's like an ongoing conversation. But the biggest thing I want you to remember this morning about prayer is this. Prayer is me being me in the presence of God being God. So you can be exactly how you feel, say exactly how you want to express it. You don't have to come up with a language or say the right jargon or think that something's going to happen if you don't say the right thing. I can just come with me. Because at the end of the day, that's all I've got to come with. Me being me in the presence of God being God. So that's the Bible prayer the third thing regularly meeting together highlighted the word regularly hebrews 10 verse 25 says this not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing that's not a one-off miss that's something we've got used to a pattern of doing so we attend less than attend more okay but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Why is God so keen on us meeting together regularly? There are loads of benefits for this one, but you know what the main one is? It keeps my Christian life on track. It keeps my Christian life on track. And there's a part of the Slimming World experience which is called counting your sins, S-Y-N-S. Um, 
And it's probably the most essential part of the whole plan, really. And you're allowed so many, and if you exceed them, then the likelihood is that the plan isn't going to work. It's not going to affect your, your weight loss. It's probably more like weight gain, actually. But, so, so you have this whole process. It's an accountability program. It's an accountability program. So how does this work? So you go into this meeting and you sit down and you're all having a cup of tea and a laugh and then all of a sudden your consultant will come out with her iPad and all your names are listed and she'll go, Karen, you've put three pounds on this week. Do you know how that happened? And Karen will go, I know exactly how that happened, Dawn. Well, would you like to share with the group how that happened? Well done. I think it was a Chinese takeaway and three bottles of Prosecco I had over the weekend. And Dawn will go, exactly, Karen, that's exactly why you've fallen off the wagon. And what are we going to do next week? We're not going to have the Chinese or the Prosecco, Dawn. No, we're not, Karen. But then what they do is, this is true, then what you think is a Peter Case case, honestly, it's absolutely true. And then the second thing they'll go is, is there anything coming up this week, Karen, that may cause you to go off plan and stop you having a good week? Well, I've got a party at the weekend. So what are you going to do then? I won't have the chocolate and the cake. Good plan, Karen. <laughs> do you know what I've realised? It's the only area of my life where I sit with a load of people that I will never see any, in any other arena of my world and I'll openly confess to what I'm eating and how bad it is or what things are going to go wrong or how I've, how I've done something that hasn't been great and I'm sitting with all these people but do you know what can you imagine if this happened at church can you imagine if we're all here this morning and we had to come up one by one and Leon was there with his iPad going Jane <laughs> it did happen it did happen, not with Leon yet, but it did happen with a guy called John Wesley in the 1700s. And he founded a whole movement called the Methodist Movement. We had loads of Methodist churches around. And he had these meetings called band meetings. And these groups were designed for people to confess to each other. But through that confession, get closer back to God. And he had five questions he asked every time they met together. So here they are. Here are your five questions. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? What have you thought, not done, thought said, oh, and or done, of which you doubt? You're not sure, but I'll tell you whether it's a sin or not. And here's the killer for me. Have you nothing you desire to keep a secret? So it's not even about what I've done or what I think I'm going to do. It's what's in my secret place that I mean, it might even be just, you know, leaning into and thinking about doing. So what if Leon says next Sunday, do you know what? In my talk and habitude, we're going to go through these five things. Who's pitching up next Sunday morning then? And sitting on the front row, Jack, eh? But in a sense, do you know what? We do have this opportunity. And we may not ask the questions of each other as direct as these are. But in our small groups, in our connect groups, we get a place where we can build closer, stronger relationships with other people trying to live this life out too. Where we can encourage each other, where you can encourage me on my journey that we call faith. Where I can talk to you about my eating plan and talk to you about where I may be tempted to go off track a little bit. Or there may be something going up that's going to sabotage my Christian experience. This is accountability. This is optimizing my faith.
reading the Bible, praying, regularly meeting together. So why should these become a habitude? Firstly, ironically, they give me freedom. Galatians 2 verse 4, there's a verse that says this, that's tucked away. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. What was going on there? Basically, some people have gone, these people are far too happy with this Jesus dude. They're far too happy with their lives. We need to get in there and see what's going on. They infiltrated them. They spied on them because they couldn't believe the freedom that this community were living in. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Having a good spiritual eating plan gives me the freedom I need to live a life that's loving and creative and adventurous and kind. I don't have to be tied down to my greed or my guilt on the material things that are in my world. Freedom. You know the second thing? They're not ways to get extra pocket money out of God. We don't get extra favour in that sense. God doesn't look at me and say, do you know what, Jane? You've not done this stuff very well this week, but because you had that extra unplanned 30 minutes yesterday morning, I'm going to give you some extra blessings today that I wouldn't have given you if you hadn't done it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. What it does do is they exist for my sake rather than for God's because they help transform me. God doesn't need any transformation. It's me and they help transform me into being more like Jesus than I was. And then a good spiritual eating plan enables me to do what I can't do by my direct effort. And what do I mean by this? Well, there's um, a story, a passage in the the Bible in Matthew where Jesus has gone to Gethsemane to pray before he's going to be crucified. And he just asked his mates to do a simple job, which is, can you just stay awake for me a bit? And this is what happens when he comes back. And he's found in Matthew 26, verses 40 to 41. And it says this, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watching me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And this is really interesting because we're often told or encouraged to watch our hearts, aren't we? That that cultivate the right heart. If our heart is right, then everything else is okay. But here Jesus seems to be saying, in this case, your heart is right. You just can't live it out. You just can't leave it out. Peter doesn't have it in him to live as he really would want to. And Jesus asked them to watch and pray. What does this look like? That extra practice, that extra training, often gives you the extra fitness you need to see the game through. So you know, when you've been in a sports team or you go and watch sport, it doesn't very happen very often with my team, but I have seen it, where in the 91st minute, somebody bursts through and puts the ball in the net and wins the game. Not because they're more skillful, but because their fitness is there. 
there are times, you know, when we need to run through and score the winner. And you may be in a situation right now in your life where, do you know what, that extra fitness is going to pull through for you. The London Marathon happened a few weeks ago, didn't it? And people didn't just turn up and run it, did they? They didn't just pitch up and run the marathon. Um, there's a bit of gentle training and then, you know, you gradually build up your miles you run each week. So they tell me, I've never done it. Um, and then you met, your diet changes a little bit or you get extra rest and extra sleep and you change your lifestyle to prepare for that one event. For that one event. There's an aim in what they're training for. And I want to encourage you this morning, guys. There's no point in growing if you don't have a reason to grow. And what's my reason for growing? To become the best me that I can possibly become so that I can be the best me in God that I can be for you and for this community here and the world that I find myself in. That's my reason for growth. And Paul in Timothy 4 says this, train yourself Train yourself. Do you know what? I can play the piano, but I had to play a load of scales before I could even play Mozart. But you hear the Mozart. You don't see my scales. And ask the guys to come back if they would. Do you know, I want to be someone that does the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right heart. And the only way... I can invest into that happening that is dependent on me is to have a good spiritual eating plan. Reading my Bible, praying, regularly meeting with you guys. And that eating plan will help me achieve the life I've always wanted. A good plug for a book there by John Ortberg. If you get that book, The Life We've Always Wanted, he'll talk more and expand and more on some of this stuff. Having a good eating plan, having a good diet helps me live such an up-close and in-tune life with God in moments that I'd otherwise miss. So where are you going to start improving your eating plan this morning? That's the question I'm going to leave with you. Make one decision this morning about one of those areas that you're going to commit something to. If it's your first time here this week, commit to come next Sunday. Get a regular meal. Something for you to chew on, something for you to think about, something that's going to um, give your body some energy to work from. Maybe you've not been to your connect group for a while. Why not go this week? If you're not part of one, have a chat to the connect guys on your way out and Jesse, look can we have a conversation I'm committing to have a conversation to put something into my diet into my eating plan that isn't there because I want a lifestyle change maybe you're not the most regular reader of, of your bible or praying set yourself something make one decision today don't do it tomorrow do it today let's stand and I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing one final song. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the truth of your word. That, Father, that um, you have given us these things, Father, because you know that they're helpful and healthy. And, Lord, as you look down on us this morning, you want us to be the most healthy that we can be. Not just for us, but for in the world that you've put us in. And Lord, maybe we need that bit of extra fitness. Maybe a situation will come this week 
Well, Lord, we need to, to run through and score the winner for somebody. God, would you help us chew over what you've talked to us about this morning to absorb that and to turn that into energy for living out the life that you've called us to live. So God, we just want to make that one commitment to you right now about a change that we're going to make to our eating plan that is going to turn into a lifestyle change for us. We want to habitude God. Would you help us and teach us and show us, God, how to apply that this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.